Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting the Productivity Show. HelloFresh shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. For $80 off your first month, go to hellofresh.com forward slash TPS80 and use the code TPS80. Welcome to The Productivity Show, a podcast by Asian Efficiency to help you maximize your productivity so you can get the important things done without having to sacrifice your health, family, and things that matter to you. We've helped tens of thousands of people save time, be happier, and become more productive. Something we say a lot at AE is that small changes or improvements to the things you do every day can add up to big savings over time. This is really true with technology. We all have these little points of friction that we just accept because we think that's the way it is, but it doesn't have to be that way. There are tools and features you can use to become way more efficient on your computer or mobile device. And since many of us are using these all day, every day, they can have a huge impact in time and efficiency. In this episode, we'll take you through some of our favorite cross-platform technology automation tips and share how we use them to be more Asian efficient. You can find links to everything we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 242. And now on with the show. Welcome, Tan. Are you ready to talk about automating your technology? I love this topic. Let's go for it. I feel like it's been a while since we've done a really nerdy episode. I mean, we will still keep this one accessible and things that you can use to be more productive, but we'll be talking about some tools that we love. And don't worry, everything we talk about will be linked to in the show notes, and we're going to make it as cross-platform as possible. But before we get started in that, we always like to start with our three resources, three things we're using right now that are making us more productive. And so I'm going to go through our three resources now. Number one is something that I resisted for quite some time, but I eventually gave in a couple of months ago and I've been loving it. And it's called SetApp. So if you're a Mac user, you definitely want to check this out. Basically what it is, it's like Netflix for Mac apps. So it has a bunch of really, really useful Mac applications and some iOS ones as well. And what you do is you just pay a one monthly fee and then you have complete access to all these different applications. And I'm finding more and more things that I was paying for, especially things I was paying a subscription for, I can actually save a lot of money by using the version that's in setup. And so two apps that I've been using lately that I've been loving that are in setup, number one is called iStat Menus. And this is another one I hear a lot of Mac users using, but I resisted for quite a while. And it basically puts a little menu bar icon up and it will show you things that are happening with your CPU, with your disk, with your network. So if things are feeling pretty slow, you can look up there and see what's going on. But for me, what I like is you can create a combined view that kind of brings them all together, but you can also replace your clock that's in your menu bar with this really useful version that when you click on it, shows you your calendar, the weather, things that are going on in your system. So I've actually replaced the system clock in my menu bar with the iStat menus one, and I love it. Number two is semi-related to this in that when you start adding all these menu bar icons, it can start getting pretty cluttered up there, especially if you use a laptop. And it's an app also in setup, but you can buy it on its own as well called Bartender. And what that will let you do is choose which icon in your menu bar will show all the time and which ones kind of get hidden behind a secondary menu that you can look at when you want to. So check out Bartender. And these are all linked in the show notes. So head on over to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 242 to check out the show notes. All right. So as I mentioned, today we're going to be talking about automating your technology. And last week we talked about automation, but we talked about it from a bit of a different angle. We talked about it from the perspective of automating your life without using necessarily technology. And this time we're going to dive right in and get a little more, a little more nerdy and talk about the apps that we love, the automation apps that we use to be more productive. So if you think about the T framework, right, which is our sort of system for mastering productivity, we talk about time, we talk about energy, and we talk about attention. And when it comes to automating your technology, in this case, your computer and your mobile devices, 
which is the topic of today, we're going to be focusing mostly on time because the more you can automate certain things in your life, whether it's technology, your own life, or certain things around your home, which is going to be next week's episode, you're going to see that you'll be able to shave so much time, whether it's like stuff you do repeatedly, whether it's stuff you do once off or stuff you do kind of like every now and then. There's a lot of opportunity to save a lot of time. So if you think about the T framework and time is one of those things that you wish you had more of, then you're going to love today's episode. Yeah, and like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about some apps, some tools, some things that we use on our computers and our mobile devices for automation. But even if you install none of these, if you take nothing else from this episode, there is something kind of kind of related to automation that I highly recommend that you you try, and that is using keyboard shortcuts on your computer. So almost every application that you use on your computer has keyboard shortcuts. And once you get used to using them, you can never go back to using your mouse and your trackpad for most operations. You become way faster and way more productive if you learn the keyboard shortcuts for the apps that you use the most and just general system keyboard shortcuts. There's one particular tool that I really like. It's called Cheat Sheet. And Mm. it's a separate app that you can install. So if you're on the Mac, you can install this app. I believe it's free as well. And basically you just hold a key And then it will actually show you all the keyboard shortcuts in this little pop-up in the current app that you're using. So it's really useful if you're just trying to learn one or two shortcuts. And like you just mentioned, Brooks, if you just learn one at a time, then over time, as you start to work more in that app and repeatedly use it, you'll be able to save a lot of time. And if there's one thing you should just take away from this episode, aside from the top three resources we mentioned at the beginning, just learn one keyboard shortcut, whether it's the app you're using right now or an app that you repeatedly use every single day. It's so worthwhile to learn this thing. Yeah, the mistake a lot of people make with keyboard shortcuts is they try and learn them all at once. So they just go and they see the list of keyboard shortcuts and they just try and start using basically try using them all and then it doesn't really stick. The key is to find, like you said, that one that you use all the time, use that, have it total muscle memory and then move on to the next one. And yeah, Cheat Sheet's a great example. I'm not aware of a similar app for Windows. If you're listening to this and you know it, definitely let us know. And also, especially with a lot of web applications, they have keyboard shortcuts built in. You You don't really associate using web pages with keyboards using keyboard shortcuts. But for example, if you're a Gmail user, just hit the question mark and it will show you all of the keyboard shortcuts. And email is one area in particular where you can just fly through it once you know your keyboard shortcuts. So that's what we want you to do, even if you install no applications that we're about to talk about. But now it's time to start getting into the categories of automation applications that we use. And Tan, maybe you can start off with the first category that I know you and I are both big fans of. So I know you would probably like to talk about this one. So the first category is a command launcher. So if you're familiar with LaunchBar, Alfred, or even using the built-in Spotlight on the Mac, you're probably familiar with the fact that you can just press a key and then it will pop up a certain window where you can then type in some certain things and then kind of like do whatever you need to do, whether it's launching an app, whether it's manipulating files, whether it's like finding something. I find it so useful to have this particular app and tool that anytime I go to a computer and they don't have LaunchBar or Alfred installed, I just go, wait, how how does this work again? Like this doesn't make any sense. Like I'm supposed to be able to hit command space bar and be able to search or do whatever I want to do. So my first app and personal favorite app for this category is LaunchBar. I've been using it for the last... Ooh, probably five, six years now. And I find it so useful to be able to, one, search for stuff very quickly. So for example, when I'm writing something for Asian efficiency, I always have to search for blog posts and podcast episodes we've done previously. And what I would do in the past is I would open up Chrome, type in google.com, and then search for something like site colon asianefficiency.com and then space. And let's say I'm talking about eating your frog, for example. I might type in eat that frog and then it will show me the results. 
And then I would click on the link and then I would copy paste that and then use that in my blog post or in the show notes, right? So that's a lot of steps. So you can simplify this by having, for example, a custom search that you can create in a custom command launcher app that you use. So for me, it's LaunchBar. So I can say, hey, whenever I type in AE and then space, it will automatically create a search field in the pop-up, right, on my computer. And then I can type in eat that frog and it will automatically search on google.com, eat that frog on asianefficiency.com. And then I will have the search listings right away. And then from there, I can copy and paste whatever I need to. So it just saves me a few steps. But since I do this almost every week, if not a few times a week, it just saves me a lot of time. And guess what? You can apply this to all sorts of websites that you, you use searches for. So that's one of my favorite tools. Yeah, I don't personally use LaunchBar. I use a similar tool called Alfred. And Alfred is a very powerful, but also very user-friendly, really nice design. And so that's an application launcher as well. I use Alfred on the Mac. Keyboard Maestro can also do this. On Windows, Launchy is a good one. I will say though, to do a lot of this stuff, every time Mac OS gets released and Windows gets released, they make this a little bit better. There's actually pretty good launchers built in now. So Spotlight with the Mac can do a lot of this and Windows Search on Windows can do a lot of this. So for me, if I'm opening an application, I almost never go through the Finder and applications or the dock or whatever. I'm always launching it with the keyboard using my application launcher because it just becomes way faster. Uh, And like you said, you can chain commands together. For example, for me, when I'm using Google Drive, I just type, let's say I was going to the show notes for this episode, I would just type drive TPS 242 and it would take me right to the show notes for this in our internal Google Drive. You can do currency conversions, calculations, and you just do a quick calculation. And then when you hit enter, the result gets saved to your clipboard. Look up contacts. I do that all the time. We had a a team training we did in the Philippines, I guess almost a year ago now, And we introduced Alfred to the whole team and this concept of application launchers. And it was fun having us all crowd around, sharing ways we use it. And the the team just couldn't believe it. They were saying, oh, this is going to make me way more efficient. So definitely check out a command launcher. I would say get started. Probably Alfred is the easiest way to get started on the Mac because it's free. So give that a try. And then if you use it a lot, you can pay for the power pack, which gives you a lot more features. But LaunchBar is a great alternative as well. For those of you who are listening and you have no idea what we're talking about, let me give you a really simple example. So let's say you're on the Mac right now, you're behind a computer and we're talking about Spotlight. Even if you don't know what Spotlight is, if you go to your Mac right now and you go to the top right of your screen, you should see this magnifying glass there. And if you click on that, it will open up Spotlight, which you will see the search field, right? And then from there, just type in 100 USD, so 100 USD. And you'll see when you type that in, it will actually show you results of what that looks like in different currencies. And that's actually one of my favorite tools that I use in terms of like quickly finding out like how much I should pay something for or like how much I should pay somebody in different currencies or whenever I'm like buying and, and selling stuff in different currencies. So I always find it really useful because you could also go to a website like xe.com where you can do currency conversions or you could just use Spotlight and it's so much quicker, right? So that's just one simple example of what you can do. Brooks, are, are there any other particular things that you use it for or do? Yeah, I do a lot of chaining commands together. So one in particular that I do, and this is not an example that everyone would have, but it kind of gives you an idea of of the power of things you can do. And I actually set this up in that meeting in the Philippines because I had the idea to try it. There's certain situations in my role at AE where I need to look things up in multiple systems at the same time. So I look at something in our help ticket system, and maybe I'll look at something in our CRM. And I used to do that manually. I'd go to it in one system and then go to the the same record in the other system and kind of compare them. I came up with an Alfred thing that all I have to do is type in OHS, which is the code that that I'm using for that, and then paste in what I'm looking for. And it will automatically open up two web browser tabs with the search in one version and the search in the other site. And so 
it's in one step I'm doing and I have to do this over and over every every week. And just that automation saves me so much time just doing that. So besides the the awesomeness of being able to open up files in different programs and stuff like that without your hands leaving the keyboard, just that chaining together. And yeah, the currency conversion for me is a big thing too. Living in Canada, but most of the stuff we tend to buy, especially online, is in the United States. My fellow Canadians can testify that you are constantly doing conversions to US dollars. And so these command launchers are great for that. But it's also built into Spotlight as well. One of my favorite tools for LaunchBar is there's actually the setting in there where once you hit a certain key like twice in a row or three times in a row, you can do whatever you want with it. So for example, let's say I'm in Pathfinder, which is my favorite Finder app, or you can just use a default Finder. So whenever I'm in Pathfinder and I'm opening, I want to open a text app or, or a text file, I should say, I can use different apps to open that. I can use ByWord, which I tend to use for just writing. Then I'll have Sublime Text as well, which I'll use for like mostly editing because I like to use ByWord for mostly like focused writing because when you make it full screen, it's just super centered and it's really easy to write and use markdown formatting. And then when I'm editing, I'm usually using Sublime Text because it's more powerful in terms of like searching and replacing. And I know the keyboard shortcuts really well, so I can navigate stuff really quickly. So when I'm opening up a text app, by default, it will open up in ByWord. But sometimes I just wanted to open it up in Sublime Text. So what I do is when I'm in Finder and I'm looking at the file, all I have to do is just select the file, hit double shift, right? So tap shift twice in a row. And then it launch by will pop up. And then from there, I can use Sublime Text to open it. So I, I would just type in SU and we'll show Sublime. And then when I hit enter, it will just open it up from there. So there's other ways to manipulate files as well. So by just hitting double shifts on the selected file, it will basically pop up launch bar. And I can do the same thing with like text, for example. If I just select some text on the web page and hit double shift, that text is now copied onto launch bar. And then I can say, oh, you know, remove all capital letters or something, or do a Google search for this or whatever. Uh, although I tend to use pop clip for that nowadays. But there's just so much you can do to manipulate and automate things. So my idea behind launch bar is really just the less I use my mouse, the more efficient I am. That's like really the power of a command launcher for me. Yep, exactly. It's like taking the concept of using keyboard shortcuts in an application and extending it through your whole computer, whether we're talking Macs, Windows, whatever. The more you can do on the keyboard, the more efficient you'll be. All right, let's move on to the second category of automation tools on your computer or mobile device, and that is a text automation tool. So a text automation tool is something that allows you to define these small snippets of text. And when you type them, they automatically expand to a larger block of text. This is something that saves an absolute ton of time typing the same things over and over again. And really for me, when I have a new computer, a lot of times when I get a new computer, I will start fresh. I don't tend to bring things over. I'll start fresh and add things. This text expansion tool is the very first thing I install because it's something anyone who uses one of these tools will attest that once you're used to using it, you cannot absolutely not live without it. For me, I kind of extend this concept we have at AE of a three times rule that anytime you do something three times and it bugs you, you should just fix it. Well, for me, anytime I find I have to type something three times, that means I'm probably gonna have to type it again. So I will create a text expansion snippet for that. You use this too, I'm sure, Tan? Oh, absolutely. I love <laughs> text expander. And I just for giggles, I pulled up my text expander stats. So if you're using text expander, when you open up the app, you can actually find out what your stats are. So according to text expander, I've expanded 24,798 snippets. And that has saved me 1.1 million and 94,000 characters. <laughs> and I've saved over 50 hours at 80 words per minute. So that kind of gives you an idea how much time I've saved and typing I've saved from using this. And I wouldn't even consider myself like a power, power user, although I have some like advanced features. I use like shell scripts for certain things, but it's pretty basic. Like I use it mostly for documents, naming conventions. I use it for dates. I use it for phone numbers. I use it for my name and, and address and, and that kind of thing. 
And so anytime I'm ordering stuff, I could use, for example, the one password like identities, which I use for like filling out forms, which I find super easy. But sometimes certain forms that won't work. And then if I have to type in the phone number, I have like five different phone numbers, like one personal for myself, one for like my Skype that people can call me on. One is for Asian efficiency and then like a bunch of others. Right. So I can never memorize those phone numbers. So I have basically different snippets for all these different phone numbers. I know like this is the company number, this is my cell number. And if I just type in like hashtag cell, then it will basically expand it to my cell phone number, which I was almost about to say, but I don't think that's a good idea to <laughs> share that with millions of listeners here. <laughs> save, save some editing. Good, good call. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you type more than once is a candidate for a tech snippet. And like you said, an app that we like a lot here at A, we've talked about before on the podcast and on the blog, is Text Expander. So Text Expander started as a Mac app, but there's a Windows version now. So that's one that we all use. And that's another one that we got the team onto when we were in the Philippines. And they really, really like it. Another Mac one that's pretty popular is called A-Text. And there's a Windows one called Phrase Express. And on the Mac anyway, and iOS, there actually is built-in text expansion. So if you don't want to install an app, you can find those in system preferences and try set that up. I will tell you that using an app is definitely worth it because it allows you to do a lot more and be a lot more flexible, but it is possible. Another area that text expansion is really powerful for is emails. So a lot of times, if you think about it, the emails that you send, there are a lot of things that you send pretty common in them. Like maybe it's just the way you say you start an email, the way you say hi, the way you finish an an email, like thanks so much for your question or, or thanks so much. Let me know if you have any questions, stuff like that, or apologies for the inconvenience. If I can do anything else, please let me help you. You know, that sort of thing. A lot of these things are great candidates for text expansion snippets. So that's one area I use it. Another area I use text expansion is with naming files on my computer. Uh, I like to have a kind of consistent and descriptive naming convention, especially for those documents that I that I want to keep. So in a lot of cases, I have text expansion snippets that allow me to have that consistent naming. I don't need to remember, oh, how did I how did I name my gas bill last time or whatever? Because I have this text expansion, I know it's going to be named the same every single time. So that's that's another powerful way. When it comes to files, this is so key, especially if you use any format of dates. So for example, let's say you want to name your bills. For example, you have a PDF version. Instead of trying to figure out, okay, what is today's date? It's, oh, it's 2019. If I want to have it in YYYYMMDD format, you know, you could like look at your iPhone and say, okay, today is like, you know, April 5th or something. And then you could say, okay, uh, that is 2019. 0405 dash and then whatever you want to name it right so there's a lot of thinking involved there's a lot of like manual like process involved and you can simply automate this and this is kind of like built in at least in text expander where you can say hey just type in today's date in this format so you can have a snippet let's say uh, for me I usually like to preface my snippets by semicolon so I'll type in semicolon and then let's say I type in dates it will then uh, format it in Y, 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 M, M, D, D, and then dash. And so any file that I have, if I want to rename it, I just type in that snippet and it will automatically plunk in the date and then I can name my file, right? So it's super simple that way. You also tend to make fewer mistakes when you do it this way. And uh, it's just super simple for, especially for naming conventions for files. We use a CRM here at Asian Efficiency called Entreport. So when we have like campaigns or emails or just files that we upload, anything that we use as a team, everybody knows like there's certain naming conventions that people have to follow so that there's fewer mistakes made. If people want to search for something, they know that there's a certain naming convention, right? So if you're looking for a particular email or something or a particular contact group or a segmentation list, you can say, hey, if you just if you know this naming convention that we have, then you can easily search for stuff. So not only is it easy on you, but you also make it easy if you work in a team setting to have like a standardized naming convention. So all of you guys who are listening, who are like super operational people, like you're going to love this stuff. Yeah. And actually, Text Expander, we don't do this at AE, but I know companies that do. It's a subscription model and you can actually have a team version as well. So what you could do is if you had a team 
uh, let's say you had a customer service team or something like that, you could make a standardized set of snippets and share it with everybody so that everybody is naming and writing things the same way. And it's all automated. So they're being more efficient and everything's more consistent. So that's something to consider as well. What are some other ways that you use it, Brooks, aside from all the files and phone numbers that we've talked about so far? Oh, my gosh. I use it so many different ways. Yeah, so emails are a big thing. Documents as well. I use it for journaling. The way I do journaling is I don't do it so much freeform writing. These are my thoughts about today. Uh, I don't personally do it that way. I do it more where I have specific questions that I answer every every day. Uh, so I have a, a text expander snippet set up so that every morning I just type in that certain code and it automatically prompts me with the things that I that I'm going to answer. I also use it a lot for home. Uh, I got roped into managing my son's soccer team. So there's a lot of consistent things I need to do with putting things in the scheduling system, emailing the other team and that sort of thing. So I have text expander snippets for that. And a lot of URLs, there's a lot of a lot of times you're pointing where we're going to our different servers or pointing people to the customer area and stuff like that. And it's not that I don't remember all these URLs, but it's just faster if I have a three or four character code for the URL versus typing it out every single time. So it's just that that time saving that's really, really helpful. Yeah, going back to email, not only is it useful for composing emails, but also at Asian Efficiency, we probably have like 15 different email addresses, right? So we have like podcast at asianefficiency.com. So if you ever have a question about the podcast, you can send us emails there. Or if you want to, you know, send in ideas or want to be a guest or something, like you can go there, right? Or, you know, as usual, you can send support tickets to us. So you can say, send an email to support at asianefficiency.com. Right. And we'll try to help you out there. So we have like dozens of emails and I don't remember all of them, but I do remember the snippets of all of them. So I just tend to use those. And then also I use a lot of symbols every now and then. So sometimes I'll use like the copyright symbol or the trademark or the British pound or the euro. And normally in the past, I would just have to like go to google.com, type in British pound, and then I would copy and paste this, the symbol. But I've created a snippet for this where I just type in dot GBP, and then it will be the pound sign, or dot and then euro, and then I will get the euro sign. So if you work with currencies or you work with a lot of symbols, it's so useful to have this as well. We've teamed up with HelloFresh and they are offering everyone in our audience $80 off your first month when you go to hellofresh.com forward slash TPS80 and use the code TPS80. So you get $20 off your first four boxes. HelloFresh is home-cooked meals made simple. They do all the meal planning, shopping, and prepping so you can just focus on a healthier you and a happier family. Cooking at home is enjoyable and easy with HelloFresh. Spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping so you can get that time back to do more of what you love. You'll make deliciousness part of your every week. There's three plans to choose from, the classic, veggie, and family, and you can switch between them when your tastes change. HelloFresh has become part of my family's routine, and on a weeks that we skip it due to scheduling, my kids ask, when are we doing HelloFresh again? Our most recent week was a winner. Their favorite was a sweet potato curry with paneer, peas, and nutty brown rice. My kids went crazy for it, and the simple six-step recipe cards with pictures make everything super easy and amazingly simple. Now, if you have kids or you yourself are not into that type of food, it's no problem at all. HelloFresh has a family plan that is a picky eater, kid-tested, and kid-approved. My kids are vegetarian, so we go with the veggie plan, but again, there's the veggie plan, the family plan, or the classic plan. So for $80 off your first month, go to hellofresh.com forward slash TPS80 and use the code TPS80. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting the productivity show. In a previous episode, you had talked about how one of the things that we wanted to focus on this year was how well we're doing at creating and maintaining SOPs, our our standard operating procedures. So that's something we started reporting every month. How many SOPs have we created? How many SOPs have we modified? And so that's something that I put together on a weekly basis and also on on a monthly basis. 
So to do that in Confluence, you have to kind of go through a search and do all these selections, et cetera, et cetera. And I realized that there's a, a big, ugly URL in Confluence that kind of contains that. So what I did is I created a text expander snippet that does that big, ugly URL, but uses the, the date math that you were talking about to automatically fill in the date for SOPs created in the, since the start of this month. And so now every week when I'm pulling that information, I don't have to go through and click a bunch of stuff. I just type in one browser window, SOP created, and in another browser window, SOP modified, and it will automatically just pull that information for me. So that's something that saves me a lot of time every week to do that. And it makes it so easy to pull this information that I need. Yeah, whenever I write Jira stories, so we follow a scrum methodology here at Asian Efficiency and we write in stories. So as a user, I want to be able to do this so that I can get this particular outcome, that kind of thing. So most of them are actually snippets in Text Expander. And I don't know if we talked about the other apps, but uh, if you're on the Mac, Text Expander and Windows, that's the tool that we recommend and use ourselves. But if you don't like the subscription model for some reason or you want to pay for a one-off, you can also buy a text on the Mac, which if you look at the screenshots, it pretty much looks like Text Expander, like almost verbatim. <laughs> and uh, if you're on Windows, Phrase Express seems to be the most popular one. Again, we, we prefer Text Expander, but there's some other options for you here as well. I've mentioned using it for email a lot, which which we definitely recommend. A lot of email systems actually have something like this set up. So Gmail does have canned responses. So it's not quite the same as creating text snippets, but it allows you to create these frameworks for emails that you can then modify and send out. Outlook has a, a feature called Quick Parts, which is kind of similar. You can create little blocks of text to, be, to use in an email to make things easier. All right, so we'll move on to our third strategy for automating your computer. And this one's more computer than, than mobile for this one. And that is file automation. We've talked a little bit about naming files, but a lot of times you're, you're doing things on your computer and you're moving files around, you're manipulating files. And this is something a lot of us do every day or every week or every month. There's tools that will automate a lot of that for you. So you can create rules on different locations on your computer and then set up actions that will automatically happen when something meets those rules. So for example, you could have it so that if a file has a certain name or even if a file has certain words in the file, something automatically happens to it. Or you can have it so that Say you like your desktop to be clean on your computer. You can say every day or every week at the end of the day or at the end of the week, just sweep all the files off my desktop. Probably don't want to delete them. Maybe you do, but you could sweep them off into another folder just to keep your desktop nice and clean. So Tan, maybe you want to talk about some of the apps that we that we like for that. Yeah, so one of my favorite apps that I personally use is called Hazel. And I think the best way to kind of explain it to a layman's person, it's kind of like having a invisible housekeeper that runs around your home and just keeps your house really clean and tidy without you knowing that it's happening. It's all happening in the background. And all you have to do is tell the housekeeper, hey, I want to have my bed sheets cleaned all day long. I want to have the dishes washed like without me you know, doing anything. As soon as I put it in the sink, it should be washed like 10 minutes later. Like that's kind of the idea. And Hazel is like a perfect tool for this. And I first discovered this back in, I want to say 2012, like back in the early days. And I use it just gradually over time. It's one of those tools that you can go crazy on, but I highly suggest you just start with really simple rules. So for example, you could say, hey, anytime there is a file that I downloaded into my downloads folder and it's an image, then move this image into another specific folder where I have all my images. Like it could be really that simple, right? It could also be more complex where you could say, hey, if there's a file in my downloads folder and the name of the file contains the word 2019 or something, then move this to the 2019 folder or something like that, right? You can get really complex and even scan files for their content and say, hey, if there's a PDF in the downloads folder and it contains the word Asian efficiency, 
then move it to this particular folder or delete it or move it to trash or whatever. So there's a lot of ways you can manipulate this. And Hazel, I find, is the most powerful tool for this. Another tool that I like to use is called Pathfinder. And this is very different. Right? Pathfinder is more of an alternative to Finder. So that, that's the built-in tool on the Mac, right? It's kind of like Windows Explorer, but for the Mac. And Pathfinder, I find, is the more advanced version of Finder. And it has all the features that I wished Finder used to have. And now Finder kind of slowly started to copy some of those features. So, for example, having dual-side windows, having tabs for files. Uh, I like to have breadcrumbs for files as well. So whenever I'm navigating stuff, there's a breadcrumb at the top in Pathfinder. So if I want to go back a folder, yes, I could press backspace. Or if I want to jump three folders back up, I can just press on the breadcrumb and then uh, navigate that way. So there's a lot of little things that I really like about Pathfinder. And one of the most useful features for manipulating files that I use almost like every single week is mass renaming files. So let's say I have five files and they have all like a similar naming convention. So for example, let's say I'm copying over a file from like the last month and they'll have the naming convention of let's say 20190401, right? First of April. And copying that over to May, I can just copy those files, uh, paste it, and then select the new duplicate files and then mass rename them to say, hey, replace 2019.04 with 2019.05. So instead of doing it manually, I can just mass rename files that way. So there's a lot of things you can do with that, which I find super useful. So if you're tired of Finder, you find it too basic for you almost, then Pathfinder is a great tool. And if you're a Windows user, you're not left out for this one. There's a free open source tool called Drop It. And remember, links to all these are in the show notes. So Drop It is a Windows tool that is very similar to Hazel. Not quite as powerful, but still will do most of the things that you would want to use Hazel for for file organization. So check out Drop It as well. And yeah, lots of things you can do. So for example, if you use, say, Evernote or other online similar services, you could have it so that I have a folder on my computer called to Evernote and you can have it so that if any file gets dropped to that folder, it automatically gets sent up to Evernote and something like that is very easy to do with Hazel or, or drop it. Like you said, you can keep your, your hard drive organized. One thing I did one time is my downloads folder was getting full and I wanted to just kind of have an easy way to sort through and see what I wanted to keep. So I just set up a quick Hazel rule that looks at my downloads folder and sorts everything into subfolders based on the type. So like you said, images here, movies here, Word documents here. And that's that's something you can very, very easily do. And then it became really easy for me to go through and just figure out what I wanted to keep and what I didn't. You can even have it look at your files by not just the name or the content, which we talk about a little bit, but also the metadata. So this could be really helpful for photos. You could have it look at the photo and say, I want to sort my pictures by the date they were taken or any of that little, that information that cameras put in, in folders or in photos, you can have Hazel look at it and automatically manipulate and sort things by that. So there's a lot of different things you can do with these tools. But like you said, Tan, you can go definitely crazy with this and it can seem a little overwhelming. So it's best just to just to start simple, maybe renaming files by name or type or something like that, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. And then I just realized you can have sort of like a trifecta, right? So, so far we talked about the command launcher, we talked about text automation, and now we're talking about file automation. And you can use all three to create this like really cool, sleek, and streamlined workflow to save time. So for example, I could be in Pathfinder, and I could rename a file using a text expander snippet that follows a certain naming convention. And because it follows a certain naming convention, then Hazel gets triggered, and then based on that, it will basically move the file or delete the file or do whatever it needs to do. So you can start to see, hopefully, that all of these categories that we've talked about so far can all work together that way. And once you kind of have that going, oh man, you're going to save so much time. You're going to save so much headaches. It's going to streamline everything that you're doing and you're going to make fewer mistakes as well. So hopefully you're starting to see that, you know, yes, all of these tools and categories are useful by themselves, but once you start adding them on top of each other and kind of use them together, 
you're going to see that you're going to have this like exponential growth of like time saved. Yeah, that that's a great example. And, and this is a, a way that a tool like Hazel or Drop It can become kind of the backbone of a system if you're wanting to say go paperless or something like that. Because I talked about earlier how I use Text Expander to name files so that they're consistent and descriptive, which I do. But in a lot of cases, you can take that, that a step further because kind of like how you talked about before, Hazel can actually look inside the files for PDFs if they're searchable and see the text inside the files. So you could say, if I download a PDF and it's from Bank of New York and it's account number and in the in the PDF, it says account number one, two, three, four, five, then I want to rename it with my consistent and descriptive naming convention and then move it to my bank statement, my 2018 bank statements folder or whatever. And so that is something you can do, which takes a lot of the heavy lifting out of doing things like going paperless by chaining these things together that we've been talking about. So here's a really simple example, and this is actually built in a specific tool. So we use Dropbox at Asian Efficiency, and we use it for saving and storing files and such. And one of my favorite automations that is actually built in and hopefully if you're using Dropbox, you have this enabled. If not, I highly recommend you do it right now. Uh, there's a setting in there. If you go to preferences and then go to the import tab, there's a setting there that says save screenshots to your, and then you can select your personal Dropbox folder or Asian efficiency work folder. And then whatever you take a screenshot, what happens then, it will actually take the screenshot. Normally it would be placed you know, on your desktop, right? By default on the Mac at least. And then what it does, it automatically moves it into your particular folder in your Dropbox, which is usually called screenshots. It will put it in there. And then after it's placed in there, it will then create a link to link to the file that is accessible on the web. And then it will put it on your clipboard. So anytime I'm taking a screenshot of something, it will move it to my Dropbox folder. It will copy the link, put it on my clipboard. And then whenever I paste it on Slack, for example, I can immediately share that with the team. So there's no need for third-party apps. And you can technically automate this with like Keyword Maestro and like Hazel if you really wanted to, but it's kind of built in in Dropbox already. So if you're kind of new to this whole automation territory, just enable this setting and use it. And you'll start to see how simple and powerful it is. And once you kind of get the hang of it, then you start to see that, oh, wow, I, there's actually so many things I could automate. There's a lot of opportunities for this. So this this will kind of give you a first taste without actually diving into the technical stuff. Yeah, this is something I used to do back when I used to use iTunes a lot, which I don't use so much anymore. But when I was a heavy iTunes user, I, I had a Hazel rule set up to watch my downloads folder. And if there's ever an MP3 in there, then automatically import it to iTunes. And so, or I had it so that if I watch it for a EPUB, it would automatically move it into the book reader on my Mac. So those are just some very simple examples you can do to get started that if you have programs that you're using a certain type of file with, like you said, with the screenshots and stuff like that, just save yourself some steps. It's not like dragging MP3s into iTunes is something huge and time consuming, but just these little time saving things over time that are just one less thing that you need to do and one less thing that you need to, to think about, this stuff adds up over and over and over again. And we are going to have links to blog posts and different podcast episodes where we've talked about this. And especially in our blog posts, we have some comprehensive overviews of how you can use the tools that we mentioned, like Text Expander, Pathfinder, and others that we've talked about before on the blog. So you can have some step-by-step -step instructions as well. And if you're looking for more automation stuff that you can follow and some templates and stuff, we have that inside the dojo. So if you're a dojo member, you can get access to that just by going to the members area. And it will be part of one of the bonuses there where we have like a library of snippets and tools that you can copy and paste. So if you're not a Dojo member yet, you can go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. You'll be able to become a member for just $1 for your first month. So definitely go check it out. All right, we will do our final automation tool. And this one's actually a bit of a grab bag of different automations that you can do without a computer. And these are web and mobile automations. So these are online tools or services or, or things that are built into your mobile device that can really make your life easier and chain a lot of the stuff we're, we're talking about together. And some examples of these are 
uh, some web automation tools like Zapier or IFTTT, if this, then that. And basically what they allow you to do is they allow you to say, take a look at something that happens on this website or in this web application, and then take some sort of action in this website or this web application or send it to my mobile device or something like that. So they basically become glue that puts these building blocks together. And we use Zapier in particular, we use pretty heavily here at Asian Efficiency to bring some of our web things together that we do. So here's a simple example, right? So whenever somebody posts on social media and they mention us on Twitter, for example, it will then post it through Zapier on Slack. So Zapier, what it's looking for is it's basically monitoring because we are basically saying when whenever we set it up, hey, Zapier, anytime somebody mentions Asian efficiency on Twitter, make sure to look out for this and then trigger us in Slack so that we become aware of it. Another thing is, for example, whenever a particular Jira issue gets done, when it's moved to the done column, right? So people are not using Jira. You can use Trello, for example, right? Very similar tool. If you move a card to the done column, uh, you can say to Zapier, hey, any card or task that gets done, get triggered and then do something about this. You could say, hey, send a text message saying, congratulations, you finished a task if you want to do that. Or you could say, hey, update this Slack room and say that this task got done, woohoo, or whatever. So you can kind of like manipulate things and bridge things together that way. And you can get really creative, right? You can say, for example, uh, if the weather changes and starts raining, send me a text message. Like you can do really creative things or if somebody fills out this particular form updated in this Google Sheet, for example, or if something gets updated in your CRM, then trigger this. So what Zapier is good at and really powerful at is that it basically works with all the popular applications out there, right? Especially the web app stuff and it can integrate it all together. So you can have like different tools working together and talking to each other without hiring a developer or a programmer. And that's really the power of Zapier. Yeah, and another example that we do at AE is if you're involved in business, you know it's important that the team is aligned around your company's goals. And a lot of times it's helpful to have some sort of metrics or critical number that you're going towards. And so what many companies might do is you know, they have whatever their critical number is, they'll write it on the whiteboard every day, or maybe they'll have screens in the office that people see. Well, for a remote company like us, we don't have whiteboards or a central whiteboard. We don't have a TV in the lunchroom or whatever, but we still wanted to have this effect. So basically what we do is with Zapier, it goes to our system and gets a, a certain number that's our, that is our critical number. It puts it into a Google Sheet which creates a graph and then it posts that number with the graph in Slack in our general room every morning right before our daily huddle. And it also puts it on the the sidebar in, in Confluence so that every day we're getting updated on that critical number and every day that number is there for us. And it doesn't involve anyone going in and manually updating the number every day or anything like that. It's all automated and happens with Zapier, even though technically none of these systems that I was just talking about actually talk to each other. So these these tools are great for, for web automation. Yeah, so Zapier is really powerful if you're involved in like a team setting or for your business. The more personal quote unquote version of this is IFTTT. So if this, then that. So if you're wanting to use more stuff for your personal life, I would recommend IFTTT over Zapier just because Zapier is a little bit more expensive and IFTTT can be used for free to start off. And we have other tools as well, right? So it's not just limited to that. We also have Google Alerts, one of my favorite tools online for staying up to date on stuff that people are saying about Asian efficiency. So we have like a Google Alert where we get an email sent every single day where people are mentioning Asian efficiency. Or you can use this for your own name as well, right? So if you're working on getting yourself out there and you want to see what people are saying about you, you can set up a Google Alert. So if you just go to google.com and search for Google Alert, you can get this set up so you can get an email every time somebody says your name online or you can get a daily email that says here are all the links where you are mentioned so if you have a common name like john smith that might be a little bit more challenging but if you you know let's say you your name is john smith but you run a company called aerospace inc or something 
you can type in John Smith in quotes, right? So it's one phrase and then type in aerospace Inc in the same sentence. And then it will search for things that are triggering this phrase in the search. So that way you can kind of stay on top of what's going on about your name, brand, reputation, and that kind of stuff. So super useful. Another tool that we use is called Meet Edgar. So this is more of a tool for scheduling your social media. At Asian Efficiency, we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook. And once a week and or about twice a week or so, we schedule our posts in advance. So the social media team will create like different images and contents and prepare the links and then they start to post it in advance. So that way they don't have to do it every single day or every single moment. They can just batch stuff together and then schedule it out. So that's one way to automate something as well. Yep, another tool we would be very remiss if we didn't mention a tool on your mobile device that that can do this, and that is Siri Shortcuts, which if you use an iOS device, is a feature built in, and it allows you to chain together a actually very surprising number of things on your phone or tablet and do a lot of things automatically. And MacStories.net, which is a, a great website, just released a shortcuts archive where they're collecting shortcuts that they make and people make all together. So there's a link to that in the shortcut, <laughs> a link to that in the show notes, I should say. And Siri shortcuts is, I think, a slightly or a very underused, but incredibly powerful feature of iOS. I use it all the time for simple things, but also more complex things. Like, for example, I mentioned before that I manage my son's soccer team and there's a lot of things I need to do and communications I need to do. So what I do is I just have one button on my phone. When I press it, it automatically creates a group of tasks in OmniFocus for me with filled in location of the game, the date of the game. It automatically creates an email pre-written email with the details that I need and puts it into drafts, which I can then copy and paste into a, an email message. Yeah, it just keeps me so I always know I'm doing everything I need to do at all times, but I also don't need to sit there and create a manually create a bunch of OmniFocus tasks every time it does it all for me. So I'm a big fan of Siri shortcuts. Same here. I use it almost every week, I want to say, and specifically with my executive assistant, Kelly. So I have a workflow set up and it used to be called workflow until Apple bought them out and now called mm-hmm. shortcuts. And uh, the workflow that I created is where I can record an audio note and then automatically send her an email with that. So the way it is set up is that with the 3D touch, if I hold that on the shortcuts app, it will show me all the different uh, workflows that I have. And if I tap in on EA recording, then it will automatically start a recording. And then I can just talk right away straight into my phone and say, hey, Kelly, uh, I need your help with this. This is my vision. Here are the list of resources. This is my definition of done. And then once I stop recording, it will basically upload it into a specific Dropbox folder. And then once it's uploaded, it will copy the link to that specific file and then open up the mail app on my iPhone and then fill in the to address or her email address. And the subject line is today's date with the name of the audio file. And then in the body, it will say, hey, here's my audio note for, for you. And then the link to the audio notes in Dropbox. So whenever she gets the email, she, she can just click on that link and then immediately listen to the audio note as well. It doesn't matter if she's on her phone or a web browser. Dropbox has that interface built in where anybody can listen to an audio note. And so it will basically populate the email. And then all I have to do is press send, make sure it looks good. I, I have basically an opportunity to add something in the email if I want to. But usually I just press send. And then it's fired off and then she gets my audio notes. And then whenever she's checking email, she can address that. So I usually use this for stuff that's not really that urgent, but I still want to get done. Or there's stuff like ideas that I have and I just want to say, hey, let's bring this up in the next meeting. So I'll have this workflow with her as well where we call it LD, let's let's discuss. So we have a meeting twice a week and I'll just dump whatever comes to mind and say, hey, Kelly, here's my let's discuss notes. And I'll say, hey, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. I want to reconsider this. I want to update this SOP, blah, 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 blah. Let's bring it up on the next meeting. And then I'll just fire it off to her. And then when we have our meeting, she runs it. And then she basically will bring up all the stuff that I've brought up on the audio note. So I can stop forgetting about that or stop 
thinking about it all together. And then she just brings it up and then we're good to go and we'll be able to go from there. So super useful workflow. And if you're working with team members or you have an assistant or a host somewhere that you work with and need to communicate with, this is a great shortcut. A more fun way to use these type of tools is one way I have used if this then that IFTTT in the past, which I've just started using again for this similar purpose is with Craigslist. So I have a Sonos system at home and I have a number of Sonos devices. And the person I actually got me on this Sonos bandwagon is a guy named Steve Dotto. So many of you may know him. He's pretty well known online. He's a local, he's a friend of mine. And so I found about Sonos from him. And these systems can be, these devices can be expensive. I didn't want to pay full price for them. So I started watching Craigslist for new Sonos or for Sonos devices that came online. And what I did is I set up a if this and that well that watches Craigslist anytime anything local comes for Sonos and then it sends me a text message right away so I can decide if that's something I want to try and get a hold of. And I mentioned this to him, proud of my automation, and all of a sudden he he did the same thing. And so all of a sudden he started beating me out for these devices. So we had this whatever four month long battle going to see who could pick up the Sonos devices the fastest via, via text message. Actually, it was originally an email that I got until he started sniping me. So that's when I changed it from email to text message so that I could I could get in there before him. So thankfully that battle's over. I'm a little poorer for it, though I had to meet some sketchy meetings and some sketchy places to get, get my system, but that's what you got to do. I've also recently become, I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to this podcast because I've recently become obsessed with buying some old Apple computers, an Apple IIe that I used to covet when I was a kid. So I've started doing the same thing for watching for these old Apple systems that I used to want but never had when I was a kid. And I figured, hey, I can have them now. So uh, there's a surprising community of old Apple II users out there. So so I've started getting text messages about Apple IIe's going on Craigslist locally. Another tool that we definitely should not forget to bring up is an online backup tool. So if you're working behind a computer and you're not saving stuff into the cloud, man, listen, just get started right now. My favorite tool for this is Backblaze. This is the tool that I personally use for backing up my computer. And this is specifically for Mac, but there's tons of versions and different companies out there where you can uh, back up your computer like Carbon and, and many more where you can just get it onto the cloud. So if you're not using this already, it basically runs in the background where it will, anytime you update something, it will basically upload it right away or it can do it in sort of like once a day format. But basically it just runs in the background. So you just never really know what's going on. And that's the beauty of it. So the first time you set it up, it's kind of a pain because you probably have to upload like hundreds of gigs of files. And that can take three to four weeks sometimes, depending on your connection. And that's totally normal. That's totally normal. Don't worry about it if you see that happening. But once it's done, then it will just incrementally update its archives and backup files. Right? So anytime you lose your computer or something goes wrong, your hard drive dies, no worries. They can send you like an exact copy of your files and you'll be back up to speed in no time. So we've talked a lot about backups before in other podcast episodes. We'll, we'll bring that up here as well. And inside the dojo, we also have a course that will show you step-by-step step how to back up your computer. And Brooks, I believe you're the creator of that course. And you even talked about how you should have like stuff in the cloud and stuff offsite as well. So if, you know, anything ever burns down or the, the cloud doesn't suffice for whatever you need uh, in terms of privacy, then you can have an offsite uh, solution as well. So you can have like a local copy, offsite copy in the cloud. And if you're dealing with sensitive files and you have had that experience before where you lost your hard drive or your computer died on you and you had to like, uh, you know, <laughs> reminisce about all the photos that you had, you know how painful this. So avoid that pain right now by just starting today, right now, with a tool or service that you use for backing up your photos and files. Yeah, the thing about backups is if you have a backup system that relies on a human being to do something, it's very at risk. Because usually when there is a problem, it's usually not a technical problem. It's usually a forgetting slash getting lazy problem. So you want ideally you want to have a backup system, whatever that system is, that runs automatically 
automated in the background that doesn't rely on you doing anything. So I also use Backblaze. It's available for Mac, Windows, and I think other platforms as well. So that's a great place to start. But like you said, there are there are other systems out there. So we talked about some automation tools. We talked about a command launcher like Alfred, LaunchBar, or Launchy. We talked about text automation tools like Text Expander. We talked about file automation tools like Hazel or Dropit. And we've talked about web and mobile automation like Zapier, IFTTT, Siri shortcuts, and online backup. Again, if you're not going to do any of these automations, at the very least, learn the keyboard shortcuts in your most used tool. Just start there. It can be a little overwhelming. The risk of doing an episode like this is... You know, we give you a bunch of different things and it can be a little paralyzing. So if you're if you're feeling that way, at the very least, learn one keyboard shortcut for your most used tool and make that muscle memory. But then if you want to go beyond that, of the tools and the techniques we've talked about, again, no need to be overwhelmed. Just pick one thing that resonates with you. The links to it all is in the show notes and then start using it tomorrow and make it part of your routine and part of your habit. At Asian Efficiency, we believe that you shouldn't have to sacrifice your personal life to get things done. You should be able to get everything done in the time that you have. That's why we've built a productivity quiz to help you maximize the time you have, increase your energy, and get you more focus. We've helped tens of thousands of people increase their productivity, and within two minutes of taking the productivity quiz, we'll show you exactly what you need to do next to increase your productivity. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com forward slash quiz. Find out where your biggest area of productivity friction is so you can take action. Take the quiz today and you'll be on your way to becoming superhuman productive. You can also find links to everything we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 242. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday.